Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about being the church we did a series on Be the Church, and, and here we've started a new series on lighting a fire, on be, being empowered as the church that God wants us to be. And somebody, I had coffee with somebody this week, and I said, man, you're, you're sharing a vision with us without telling us what the vision is, George. So all this week I've been praying. In fact, I was here this morning at 7.30 here in the sanctuary, and I was praying, and I was saying, Lord, you need to show us what you want us to be. You need to show us because there's a desire among a lot of us to want to know what it is that you are calling Kerwinsville Christian Church to be. And so this morning he gave it to me. And here's what, he, here's what I, I felt the Lord was telling me that he wanted us to be. He wanted us to be a church of real people where anyone can come, anyone, and find Jesus Christ and learn how to walk in obedience. That's what he's calling us to be. A church of real people, not people who put on, not people who act a certain way, but a church of real people where anyone, anyone can come and find Jesus. Because people are looking for Jesus. When you look around in this world, they want something more. They don't want religion. They don't want pretend. They want Jesus. Because they've looked and looked in other ways and it's not working. They want Jesus. And they want to learn what he wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. But you know what? The only way we're going to become that kind of church is to be empowered to be that kind of church. And you know, last week we looked at that whole issue of Jesus saying to them in Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at that passage here in a moment, and he says to them, look, I have something I want you to do, but before you can do it, you've got to be empowered. You've got to be empowered. And so as I was talking with somebody this week, because I was getting ready to go on to the next passage, they said, George, you've got to expand that a little bit for us. You've got to open that up for us and tell us, what does that exactly mean? What does it mean to be empowered? Yeah, we want it, but what does that mean? So I thought, okay, yeah. You know what? I'm in no rush here. Nobody's telling me what I need to preach. So I thought, I'll go back and I'll look at it. And I'm going to share with you today from the Bible, because as I was looking through the Scripture, so many different passages Talk about being empowered and what it means to be empowered and how it affects your life. And really I've begun to realize, you know, when Paul says that we have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, that's really how we've been living, isn't it? We've been going through the motions and not really understanding what it is to be empowered by God. So we're going to talk about that this morning. I want you to look with me. First of all, we're going to look at that passage again in Acts And then we're going to go several different passages today as we talk about this whole issue of empowerment. Look with me, chapter 1. The writer Luke writes this. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 
And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart for Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will soon come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. When they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, and with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. What we're going to see, I want us to focus in particular, is on verse 8, where he says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Because we talked about this passage last week, about that God had given them a commission, Christ had given them a commission to go and share with others about Jesus. But he said that you need to be empowered before you can do that. And so what I want to expand upon today is what that empowerment is. Because you can have so many different things go through your mind because you can look at so many different things. You can look at TV. You can read so many different books. And they just give you this concept of what the power is. And I want to explain that to you today because for some it might be a scary thing. For others you might just flat out reject it. For some of you don't even care. But what I want to do is share with you what is that empowerment? What is it from the Word of God that we are talking about when we say that we are empowered? So first of all, let's look at the promise. Let's look at the promise here. First of all, Jesus tells them that they will be empowered. See, that's a promise that's given to you and I. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ today, you have submitted to Him as Savior and Lord in your life, and you have made that commitment to follow Him, He has given you a promise that He will empower you. That you will be empowered in your life. See, a lot of you are living in defeat today. A lot of you don't seem to be making any headway in your walk with God because you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to live the life on your own without God. For some reason, we've bought into this lie that says that when I come to God and give Him my life, then I'm now supposed to live the life that He wants me to live. And the reality is, is you can't. You can't live the way God wants you to live. You have to be empowered to live it. And so here's what he's saying. I'm telling you, he's promising them, that you will be empowered. That's the first thing I want you to notice there. The next thing I want you to notice, especially as we look at this passage, is that what is this power? The Greek word is dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. So we're talking about a great power here. What I want you to see is the power is the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Because some of you might be scared by the whole concept of empowerment. What does that mean? Am I going to have spine-changling chills up and down my spine? Am I going to feel an electric shock or something? That is not what we're talking about. We are talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. See, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. We're talking about a person. We're not talking about electricity. We're not talking about superhuman strength. We're talking about a person. So when I am seeking empowerment, I am actually seeking the person of the Holy Spirit doing work, doing a work in my life. Now I'm going to get a little bit more specific here in a moment what exactly I'm talking about. So what I want you to see is is when we're seeking empowerment as individuals and as we're seeking empowerment as a church, we are seeking the person of the Holy Spirit of God. We're seeking the third person of the Trinity. We're seeking God's presence in our life. Does everyone understand that? What you are doing when you are seeking empowerment is you are seeking God's presence in your life. Period. Not an experience. Not some wow thing. But you're seeking God. Now here's what he's going. Now you say, well, I still don't understand what this issue of empowerment is. Here's what I'm saying. It means being surrendered to the Holy Spirit in your life. It means being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. The first passage I want to share with you is from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. Seeing then that you walk circumspectly. Now what that word means is, is like, you know, we have two cats in our household. and It's interesting to watch them because it doesn't matter how many Legos are on the floor. They seem to, as they're walking, know where not to step. Seems like all four legs are doing something else. Have you noticed that with a cat? They seem to kind of know where to walk through the house. That's called circumspectly, that you are aware of how you are walking. So here's what the Apostle is saying. See then that you, that as you and I walk circumspectly, not as fools, not as foolish ones, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Isn't that true? So here's what he says. Therefore, do not be unwise. So he's telling you, you and I, not to be unwise, understand what the will of the Lord is. He wants you to understand what the will of the Lord is here. Now listen, here's what the will of the Lord is. He says this, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's what the will of God is. He wants you and I to be filled with the Spirit. Now you say, now what does that mean, George? I think the key to understanding what it means is to understand what it means to be drunk with wine. See, I understand what it means to be drunk with wine because I live with an alcoholic. When you live with an alcoholic, you understand this because an alcoholic is motivated by one thing. What's he motivated by, everybody? Drink, alcohol. He, in fact, is not just motivated by it, he's activated by it, he's captivated by it, he is ruled by it, it, it takes over, it controls him. You ever notice that they have to have it? So you take that parallel. He's saying, don't be motivated, captivated, activated by alcohol. He's saying, rather, you be filled the same parallel there, replacing that behavior with another. Rather, you be motivated, captivated, activated by who? The Spirit of God. You be controlled in your life by God. So when I'm talking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about that my life comes under the control of God's Spirit in my life. 
I'm empowered by God's Spirit. Does everybody understand? Nod your head if you're understanding so I can see that you're grasping what I'm talking about here. See, so when I'm seeking the empowerment of God, I'm not seeking an electrifying experience. I'm seeking a person who's going to help me, guide me, give me direction as I yield my life to Him, as I surrender my life to Him. You understand? See, that's what we need. See, here's the thing. We can't be the church He wants us to be until we yield to Him and allow Him to help us to be the church He wants us to be. You can't be the person God wants you to be unless God yields you to who He wants you to be. So let's talk about it. What does this empowered life mean? What does it mean to be empowered? And what we're going to see here is that the empowered life is in three different areas. See, when you and I are seeking empowerment in our lives, when you and I come to that place of surrendering to God, this is what we're talking about here. Listen to me. We're talking about you surrendering your life to God. And this is not just a one-time thing, because some of you could say, well, I did that years ago. Well, you're going to find out that maybe you did it years ago, but it doesn't have no effect on you right now. What you're going to see is, is that the surrendered life, the life in which you are empowered by God, affects you in three different areas. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the empowered life. The first thing I want you to see, we find it in Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. Let me read you these verses. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in knowledge of God. Let me just stop right there. That sounds like the Christian life we all want to live, isn't it? We want to walk in such a way that's worthy of God. We want to grow in our knowledge of Him. We want to please Him. We want to see fruit in our lives. We want that, don't we? Listen to verse 11. He says this, Strengthened with all might according to what? His glorious power. See, the only way I can do what verse 10 says is if I am strengthened by what? His glorious power. Who's His glorious power, folks? The Holy Spirit. So here's my first point. Here's what I want you to see about the empowered life. It empowers you to walk worthy of the Lord. See, some of you here are so defeated in your Christian life. You are trying to live the Christian life. Do the right things. Do the Ten Commandments. Keep the Great Commandment. Do everything. And have you noticed you're not doing well? Has everybody noticed that? Let's not deceive people. We're not doing well. That's why the people look at the church and they say the church is filled with hypocrites. Because we're not doing well. And we're not doing well because we're trying to do it on our what? On our own, in our own strength. And let's be honest, we don't have the strength to do it. We don't have the strength to do it. I mean, you may wake up this morning and you're ready to eat rusty nails. I mean, you've had it. You, you've woke up with an attitude this morning. You're not ready to do anything, are you? And the reality is, is that, you know what? In and of yourself, you're not ready to do right today. You've determined to do wrong. That's because of who you are and our makeup and our emotions and how our day goes and everything. But my friends, God didn't call you to walk worthy of Him in your own strength. What did He say? He would strengthen you what? In His what? Glorious power. See, when I seek empowerment from God, when I surrender my life to Him and I say, Lord, here I am, empower me and I surrender to the Holy Spirit's control in my life, He then gives me the power to live a life worthy of Him. Let me give you another scripture. In fact, let me, you write this one down because this is a great scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
Go back and look at this. I'll read it to you here in a moment. And I want to tell you something about this power that he gives us, what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Listen to what Peter says. And as his divine power, that is the Holy Spirit, listen to this, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His empowerment gives you everything you need to live this life and to be the godly person he calls you to be. See, when I'm seeking after his empowerment, I am seeking for his help to live the life that he's called me to live. See, there's no reason for you and I to be defeated, is there? None at all. We just need the Lord. Now, that in itself, if that's all the empowerment did, that would be enough, wouldn't it? Just to be able to live the life that he's called us to be. But my friends, there's something else the empowerment does. Look, look with me now at Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 20. You don't need to turn there, but let me read it to you. This is a doxology at the end of this section. And here's what he says. Paul writes this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Let me just stop and explain to you what he's saying. Here he's saying that God is able to do beyond what we ask him to do or beyond what we think. In fact, that word think means dream. God is able to do beyond what you dream. That's what he's saying here. He's talking about God here. Now, But the last part of the verse is what it says. According to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. What power? The person of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want you to see. He empowers prayer life. He empowers your prayer life. Some of you are so defeated. Some of you are actually angry at God because He's not answering your prayers. Some of you are frustrated because God's not answering your prayers. And the reason why He's not answering your prayers is because you are on your own and you haven't yielded to His Spirit in your life. You haven't come to a place of surrender for Him to empower you in your prayer life. In fact, we just talked about this today. Listen to me. We just talked about this today in Sunday school. We talked about it with regards to the husband-wife relationship. He's saying to the husbands, Husbands, dwell with your wives in understanding, you know, love your wives, you know, and all of this. And he says, that your prayers may not be hindered. What's he saying there? Because you're so self-focused and you're not ministering to the needs of your wife because there's sin in your life, guess what? I'm not answering your prayers. I'm not answering your prayers. See, if I'm living a yielded life to the Spirit's control, guess what? He empowers my prayer life. Isn't that wonderful? So many of us want to see God answer in our prayers, don't we? But the key to seeing answered prayer is living a life that yielded to His control. So the next thing I want you to see is He empowers your prayer life. But there's one other thing I want you to see here. And I want you to see, we see it in Acts chapter 6. It's actually a description of Stephen. Notice what Stephen, how the writer Luke refers to Stephen here in Acts chapter 6. And Stephen, full of faith, and notice what else, and power, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. He was empowered by the Spirit of God. So what I want you to see, he empowers your service for him. He empowers your service for him. He not only gives you everything you need by the power of God so that you can live this life and be godly, walk worthy of him. He not only empowers your prayer life, but he will empower you to serve him. See, that's why you were saved in the first place. 
That's why this church exists here. This church is not here for a holy huddle. This church is not here for just for us to sing Kumbaya together and to have a great time and to have fun. This church is not here for us. This church is here for everyone. For our community. To reach out and touch our community. That's why we're here. And the only way we can be that kind of church that He's calling us to be is for Him to empower us because that's the only way we can serve Him. And so the empowered life gives me the ability to serve Him in such a way that I touch other people's lives. That's what we see there, the empowered life. Now, there is something else we have to talk about as we look at this whole issue of empowerment. There are actually two things. Because as I presented the issue of empowerment to you, the reality is, is now we have a decision to make. You and I have a decision to make about the issue of empowerment. You say, what do you mean, George? Because here's the thing. I think every one of us here wants to be empowered to live the life that God wants us to live. Is that not true? Okay. We want to be empowered in our prayer life. We want to see God answering prayers as He guides us because we're yielded to Him. And we want to be used of God to, to serve Him and to be the person that He wants us to be as we serve Jesus with our lives. And so all of that we understand. We're not looking for some kind of experience. We're looking for a person. And we recognize that as I yield my life to Him, He empowers me. Now it comes down to two Two things that you and I have to recognize. The first one is this, and it refers to your life, and that's this. Our sin hinders the Spirit's empowerment. I already referred to it earlier. Remember what I said? I referred to it with reference to husband and wives. Husbands, if you're not honoring your wife, if you're not understanding your wife, if you're not being there for your wife, he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, that your prayers may not be hindered. Your prayers are hindered. It's hindering my relationship with God. It's hindering that empowerment. Sin hinders the empowerment. In fact, let me give you two scriptures. Here's what they are. First Thessalonians 5.19, he says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Remember I shared with you last week, I was a Boy Scout. And in the Boy Scouts, you learn about starting fires, and you learn about, you spend a lot of time learning about putting them out. And in the Boy Scouts, we learned a lot about how many times you had to soak it, and you had to soak it so many times so that you could put your hands on the coals so that they wouldn't burn. And if, they, if you felt heat, you had to soak it some more. And that's called quenching a fire. See, here's what happens. Sin is like that water on fire. When you sin, you're doing your own thing. Your focus is on who? Yourself. You're not yielded to the Spirit's control. You basically have decided at that point, I'm in control here, and you quench the power of God in your life. You quench the Spirit. Do you understand me? When you decide to do your own thing, and listen, when you decide to do your own thing, it always results in what? Sin. When you decide to do your own thing, you're quenching the Spirit. Now here's what he says. Here's the other point of it. This is why I want you to understand it's more than just a power. It's a person. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to understand. I'm not just quenching the empowerment. I'm grieving somebody. I'm hurting somebody when I do my own thing. I'm hurting God. He's grieved by what I'm doing. So I really have to make a decision about my life. If I want that empowerment, if I want him to be, if I want to be yielded in my life, I've got to recognize that the sins, and we hold on to them, don't we? Every one of us here has our own sin issues. Every single one of you has a sin issue in your life. You have something that you default to all the time. And don't act like you don't, because you do. 
Every single one of us here has an issue that we default to as far as behavior. It may be an attitude, it may be an action, but you default to something. And that thing is affecting your life. It's affecting your spiritual life. So quit acting spiritual because you're not. Because you're grieving the Spirit of God in your life. You're grieving Him. And it hinders the empowerment of God in your life. And let me just go one step further. It's not just hindering the empowerment of God in your life. It's hindering the whole church. You say, what are you talking about? All you have to do is go all the way back over through the book of Joshua. And you remember they just celebrated that victory over Jericho? Took out this big city. God took out the city. And then they were going to go after a village called Ai. Joshua decides just to send up a token force because it doesn't seem like it's going to be very long. But guess what? They're facing defeat. They face defeat. They're not able to take a village. I mean, they just took a city. And they're not able to take a village. And God reveals to them why. Because there's sin in the camp. One guy sinned. And it affected the whole. See, as we're seeking empowerment... You know what I've been praying these days? As we come together and we've been praying in the church, I've been praying, I prayed this morning, Lord, if I am doing anything that is hindering your work from being what you want it to be, then show me what it is, Lord, that I may deal with it. I don't want to stand in the way of what you want to do. Why? Because our sin hinders the Spirit's empowerment. You need to be asking yourself that question, Lord, is there something in my life that's not right? That's hindering your church? That's hindering my life? Our sin hinders it. The other thing I want you to see is, is you have to want to be empowered. You have to want to be empowered. So you just can't assume it's going to happen. No, 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 my friends. You don't understand. Over and over in the Bible, it talks about that you have to desire. Remember, Jesus gave the parables about seeking the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, he said, was like this. It was like a widow who lost a coin in her house. And so she tore apart her whole house, swept through her whole house looking for one coin. It was that precious to her. The kingdom of God is like a guy who was walking in a field and he found a buried treasure. And so what did he do? He buried it back up and he went and sold all that he had so he could buy that field so he could have that treasure. Or the kingdom of God is like somebody who found a pearl at great price and he sold all that he had so that he could have that pearl. God says it's something you seek after. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul said, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. My life's verse. He says that I may know Him. And what does he say? And the power of His resurrection. In fact, the NIV translates it, translates it this way. I like the NIV in this translation. He says, I want to know Jesus and the power of His resurrection. See, you've got to want to know. You've got to want the empowerment in your life. You've got to want Jesus' spirit in your life. Taking control, it's got to be a desire that comes from within you. And can I be honest with you, my friends? It doesn't even come from you. God gives you that desire to want Him. He gives it to you. See, I've got to recognize my sin hinders it. And I've got to recognize that God gives me the desire for Him. You've got to want it. It isn't just going to happen. You've got to want it for your life. You've got to want it for our church. You've got to want it. And let me tell you something. They wanted it. Why? Because they were obedient to him. They went back to Jerusalem and they stayed in the upper room until it was fulfilled. They wanted it that much. Thank you for being with us this morning. We trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. Before we leave you today, George would like to share some special news about an upcoming event.
Folks, we're excited about a five-week series at the church called The God Questions. Starting today, we'll be looking at the tough questions that many are struggling with. Questions such as, is God real? And why does God allow suffering? In fact, we'll be addressing the question, is God is real in the 1045 worship service? We'll also have a question and answer forum at 6 p.m. today to discuss this question in detail. Next week, we'll look at the question, is the Bible true? It is our hope that you'll be able to attend these discussions. For more information about the series or any other information, visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org or you can call us at 236-1622. On behalf of the church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.